and welcome to Two Marks and a Mic Podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Joe. So today we're going to be talking about the invasion angle with WWE slash WCW. Slash ECW kind of integrated their way in there too. It like, did, yeah. right, yeah. Nudged their way in. So it's just going to talk about who was good, who was not so great, but see what effect it had on the business. So I feel that the invasion was, was a decent angle. At the time, I remember do feeling a little bit of anxiety about Vince not making it because I was young and naive at the time. But I, I think that it was a, a it was a good angle. Yeah, I liked it. I think it gave the opportunity to get some fresh talent in general. I also thought it was interesting the way they made Stone Cold kind of the face of the invasion of the WCW ECW brand. Uh, and I thought that was kind of good and bad in the sense where it gave him uh, a new, fresh look on his character, and they were able to push Kurt Angle. But I remember he being very confused. My wife finds that what thing hilarious. I'm sure. I mean, it's funny. Don't get me wrong, especially when the fans are doing the what when he's kicking. Stomping the mud hole thing. That's just great, too. But it, I think it all, all in all, it helped the business. Um, it did make it to only one club. Yeah. What, you know, I, see, I can see that. Yeah, and it made it to, it was kind of hard to, you either had WWE or you had independence. That's all you had. Yeah, and bringing in the separating the ECW, WCW kind of team together instead of doing three separate entities, because I think it kind of would have been cool to just eventually just right off the bat have Heyman run ECW and their angle with it instead of just joining it all together. But I think it was just a way of also to give the McMahon kids some FaceTime. Just some experience with being in front of the camera, working angles. I think also in that sense, they had been the the driving fuel for keeping Raw successful or in general WWE was having that competition. So now the competition's gone. You've got to almost got to create that facade of we're still in a competition. It's just on TV now with our everybody in our company. Well, that's what Jerry Lawler said. He said he feels that it was Vince's way of making competition inside the WWE. But it also kind of crappy because, like, okay, I was a big rock fan, you know, and if I wanted to watch rock, I had to watch SmackDown. Right. So, but I don't, I wasn't a huge fan of SmackDown. I just thought it was a B show, but it was to give the mid Carters a little bit more exposure. And I think the only time I think SmackDown was actually had a, a decent run was they had Heyman write it, and he had some great episodes. But other than that, I agree with you. It was- yeah. I do, and I think that, that Heyman's a genius because, I mean, look at what he did with ECW. Now, granted, Vince was subsidizing ECW, giving them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Stay afloat. Him and Bischoff would come and poach their talent. Dudley's. Jericho. What, Jericho, exactly. I think what, what I'm trying to say is there was no developmental territory at the time, and there was no way to, there was no real proving ground. Sure. And that made it really hard to find new talent, even though they had the. Tough enough series. Tough enough things. series, yeah. which is a joke. I mean, well, I can't really say it was a joke. Because it did, unfortunately, it gave us The Miz, and then it gave us Johnny uh, Morrison. Mm-hmm. I, now, out of those two, I think Johnny Morrison was a better worker. Um, Miz, I thought he just copied The Rock. You're not wrong. As far as not to go off on a Miz tangent, in the sense where he used to do his, his challenges and stuff, I do remember the last challenge he won before he actually went into it, and he said, I'm going to wrestling school. So he put himself in the wrestling school, and he lasted a lot longer than I'm sure you and I both thought that he would ever last. I remember when he was on The Real World in New York, and he's walking around with a fake championship belt going, The Miz. I mean, okay, cool, but yeah. at least get your own character i agree i haven't watched so i don't know if that guy ever come out of a shell or not who do you think should have gotten a contract that did i don't know because they eventually brought steiner in but not right away i kind of disagree with some of the people i think they brought in 
I know, I know. You said you were a Saturn guy. I really would. Oh, really? I, I wasn't a fan of him Dude. either. I kind of wish he wasn't a part of it. Um, I, I appreciated everybody who they brought in from WCW. I know eventually they brought in Big Papa Pump, and at that point, what do you what do you do? I think in a sense, Vince knew what was important at the time. Cruiserweights was making a big jump in Nitro, and yeah. he wanted to be able to bring that kind of smaller division over, so it's not all big guys in there and kind of a different persona. I agree. I, as far as who didn't get one, though, I don't know. Who do you think? That's a good question. Maybe Billy Kidman. He, he got a contract, but they didn't use him very much, you know? And, I mean, and he was a really good cruiserweight. I think that what when WWE did the light heavyweight division, it was their answer to cruiserweights without yeah. having real cruiserweights. If they don't have the guys, they don't have the guys, but we got to work with what they got. So now opposite end of the spectrum, who were you happy to see get the Push. Eddie Guerrero. I think that he was probably one of the best acquisitions from WCW. That's not the crap on Benoit or Malenko. Saturn should have never been in the ring. I don't think he was safe. Yeah, I agree. And I really like the way they pushed Jericho because they really pushed Jericho. And I was not expecting him to be the first undisputed champion, especially against The Rock. And he did well with it. I really thought that he really brought into his own individuality as a singles competitor and as to be a main eventer. And I think that kind of helped him really with his onstage presence and on the mic as well. I think his time traveling abroad in Japan... And I think he went to Mexico as well. Oh, yeah. He sure did. It really helped him develop as an all-around performer. I mean, he's got mic skills. He can damn sure go in the ring. Yeah, I also think that having uh, a lot of ECW guys come to throw, I knew that was huge for the Dudleys mm -hmm. to just go in there and also help contribute to the Attitude Era portion because doing more tables matches and you had a younger Edging Christian and you had the Hardy Boys come in. So that was a good, strong tag team. And before that sense... I would say before the invasion, it was a very abysmal, not so much looking forward to the tag team division as it was in like the 80s, the early 90s. I'll agree with that. Like you had the Dudleys come in in 99 and then you had Edge and Christian, the Hardys. That was all pre-invasion, but it it worked and it was able to flesh out that tag team division that really needed it. And they, they were doing the most innovative matches at the time. Like the problem, it, the problem that I had with those matches, they got oversaturated. I mean, it been on a raw, but uh, yeah. I have a TLC match. The first few times, it's cool, and then it starts to suck. And then you're also putting your talent at risk. Very good chance that one of these guys is going to go through a table wrong and hurt themselves. And now, we talk about the talent of wrestlers coming in, but then they even started, I forgot about the whole, until we went back and watching it, the whole Nick Patrick, Earl Hebner angle and putting them in matches against each other and the WCW refs against the WWF refs. You know, that was... That was interesting. That was a different angle. You're right. At the end of the day, what the invasion angle is, it was a way for Vince McMahon to figure out who he was going to keep, who he was going to get rid of, and to give some of the guys that probably wouldn't have gotten a contract. It's almost like an open tryout. Exactly, like like, you know, like your Lance Storms, because let's face it, when that guy got in the room, the fun went somewhere else. And same thing with Chris Canyon. I oh, who better than Canyon? Yeah, everybody's yeah. better than Canyon. Yeah. Crush. Mm -hmm. He blasted one match, and it was a pay-per-view, and where him and that guy was at Chronic Tag Team. Oh, you're right. Terrible. I think for all intents and purposes, the it, like you said, it was just a giant open tryout. I think he just had all these guys, and he's like, well, I don't know who to keep right now, but let's just give them. At that time they were they were doing I, I don't know if they were at three hours yet with raw uh -huh. but they were still doing two hours they still had smackdown and there were still other things throughout the week 
television time, it kind of gave him an opportunity to kind of use more people in that sense. But I think at the end, they still ended up using classic WWE algorithms, the same handful of guys every week. People complain about that, and I'm not saying you are. But what I am saying is if people complain about it, if you had to look at it from Vince's outlook, am I going to go with someone that I know can go and make me some money? Or am I going to go with this guy that may or may not be able to go? Back in WCW days, when you had the cruiserweights are going out and doing good matches every night, you know, busting her ass in the ring, tearing the tearing the house down. It, and then you have Hall and Nash and Hogan and X Pac or whatever his name was there, six or some god awful thing, and Bischoff. They come in there and mugging in and getting all the time, like uh, Steve Austin when he was still stunning Steve in WCW. Gene Okerlund was going to cut a promo with him, and he spent half the time talking about NWO. And then Steve walks out to start the. Uh, the interview and he's like well why don't it's like before we get started on the interview why don't you just go ahead and talk about nwo some more because you spent half the time in my interview talking about the damn nwo yeah so you can't have it you know you, you have to develop more talent to have a future because if you don't find people that can carry the torch and do the job and do it right ain't gonna be no business were you surprised they brought bischoff over as on air talent i think it worked well it did, and I think it. the main reason I think Vince brought him there was so he could eventually fire him. That makes sense. Because... I think I remember kind of hearing something about that, too. Yeah, years and, then ago. A, and if you watch the McMahon DVD from 2006, Stephanie's like, Vince said to her, is like, imagine it, now this asshole has to work for me. Mm-hmm. Like, how great is that? Because, you know, he would be... He intentionally made Nitro three minutes earlier every day or every week to give away the results of raw. Yeah. I remember he did it when mankind won the belt. Exactly. And that, that, that was, that was the one that backfired in his face because they Everybody lost the ratings. That night. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, dude, I mean, what are you thinking? Yeah. I did read Bischoff's book and you know, like it, it was crazy because he kind of went in there to run WCW or be the GM of it. And it was just billionaire Ted was just giving him money yeah. and he was just rolling with it. And whatever worked, he just kept he just kept rolling with it. He didn't care about the business. What he cared about was what billionaire Ted cared about. And that was shutting Vince McMahon down and proof in the pudding. They didn't care about the business. It's two words, Bill Goldberg. Mm. That guy does not care about the business, did not care about the business, and didn't care how it was done as long as he was on top. You did not pay your dues. You come in, you have a minute, you have a 45 second to a minute and 10 second match, and you want to call yourself great? That guy should be erased from wrestling history. Yeah. I mean, he comes in and he's like, well, you got to earn your dues. He goes, well, football don't count? No, football doesn't count. This is when he ran like special teams. I don't even think he did a whole lot. I don't think he did a whole lot then, (laughs) yeah. He comes in hawking and spitting and all that crap. I'm like, dude, it's not entertaining because you can't go because you have no cardio for more than a minute and a half. And they still have they still have him on Raws and stuff. He's just on Raw like last well, two weeks. He's been on well, Raw. Yeah, there's, a, there's such a thing called nostalgia. Yeah. It's, you know, it just it, what it does to me is it shows me is that WCW fans missed the mark on what wrestling really was. And I'm not saying that WWE fans are any smarter because it's the same pool. But my point is, is that when you're cheering a guy like Goldberg who can't wrestle a six-minute match with Steven Regal, and if you can't go with Steven Regal, you can't go. And the sad thing is, WCW had that talent. Those fans had the talent there. They kind of took a back burner to all that because it was all about NWO mm-hmm. and Goldberg, and that was what they had to rely on, what they thought was the formula to push it through and win the Monday Night War, but backfired. 
so back to the Monday Night War or the Monday Night Wars in general, I, I think that it ended the way that it should have ended because WCW, I feel, didn't care about the business, especially after their merger with AOL, when it was AOL Time Warner. They wanted to get rid of it as quick as they could because they were hemorrhaging money because it was an ego sandbox for Turner to get rid of Vince. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it kind of overstayed its welcome once the tide shifted towards the Raw side. Turning point was when you lose Eddie and Malenko, Benoit. But, I mean, you know, I think when you start losing a lot of those key players and then the older guys who are clearly just there for a paycheck, you don't care. It shows that you don't care. And when you pretty much have NWO, which was a good angle, and then you just can only beat that dead horse so much and bring everybody and their brother and sister and secretary and everybody in. Kevin Nash said it best. He's like, you give them a black and white shirt. Give them a black and white shirt. Who's left to fight? It's like Oprah and the NWO members, you know. Yeah, you get a shirt. And you get a shirt. That's exactly it. I think what helped is they openly started to acknowledge each other's presence on the other shows. And when you started doing that, I think it added fire to it. It added viewership and, and things like that. But when you start doing, like, the dirtiness that Bischoff was doing or when you play, like, the DX invasion angle, you know, trying to get into... I thought that was cool because kind of stuck it to WCW a little bit in a fun way. It wasn't malicious. And Triple H even said, he's like, I don't know what they would have done... they opened the doors. If they opened the doors. Yeah. He's like, you know, and then and he was like, well, we didn't think about it, but what if he sends 10 guys our way and does the same thing? And Vince is like, open the door. Yep. Let's see what happens. It's going to make good television regardless. And that that's the difference between Vince... And Bischoff. Vince is not afraid to take a chance. And Bischoff was. Yeah, and I just think that with Bischoff, in general, making NWO, and I think having the Hogan heel turn was genius. And I think he had a lot of good angles, but because of the Monday Night War, they couldn't naturally evolve. It was like he had to do a boom, boom, boom. And I just think you just kind of exalt all your options very early on in the game. And then, you know, you peak out very early. Well, from what I understand is that turn was supposed to be Sting. And then he didn't want to do it because Sting, like The Undertaker... Sting bled WCW, Undertaker bled WWF. Those were the only two constants, you know, of each federation. With the, on the WWE side, with the exception of Hunter, Sean, and those guys, but Sean was out with his back injury and couldn't do anything. With Sting, he did eventually join the NWO, but he did, but he did revert back to his original character. Right. So I have a, even though I haven't watched a whole lot of Sting matches, I have a lot of respect for Sting. He, he was just a good dude through and through. And he was a damn good wrestler. And, and as well, especially now that, I've been, now that I'm older, because like you, I didn't really go watch Nitro or maybe during commercials of Raw, I'll put it on. Or, you know, if back in, you know, don't let the cops come to the house. We had the Scrambler back in the day, so we got all the pay-per-views, right. you know. And so I would watch the pay-per-views and I didn't have to pay for it, and it was just something to watch. I like now being able to go back and have a new appreciation for Nitro and the actual wrestling that's on it. And you're like, wow, this actually had a good algorithm to work. And I just think that they had good angles, but they were forced to play their hands very early because of the... And I think that's kind of why AEW is still on the map and because they're not trying they're on wednesdays they're on opposite days they're not they're not trying to poach talent i think wwe releases willingly going over there because they see the talent pool they want to work with exactly i think that that's a smart move going on a different day that was another mistake that bischoff made going head to head with vince because vince loves competition 
he got primetime, which he didn't think he would get from Turner. He got TNT, which was their flagship station, 9 o'clock, direct competition. I think that was the biggest mistake because now you're oversaturating the market. They're going to watch one or the other. Yeah, and you kind of don't give the fans that opportunity to really see your product. At least that's what it did for me. And, you know, it sounds like from you, too, it's just we were so involved with WWF at the time that we didn't care to go and explore, like, Nitro. But I think if we had had that opportunity, if it was on a different night or whatever during the week. I don't know, because when WCW was still around and it was a competitor, I think I may have watched four and a half seconds of it. Because yeah. it just... It felt like it was an inferior product to me. The production value of exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, the production value of it. And that, that was the big thing. Is like the ring looked chintzy, all the colors, and it just wasn't, you know, New York. I it, agree. It was, it was, and then you had all those Southern drawl, your Gordon Solis and people like that. Not, I'm not taking the crap out of them. I'm just saying that it's, when you have those old school Southern guys, and that was the first thing the Bischoff did when he got there was get rid of those. Because he had to make it where it wasn't like that good old boy Southern wrestling. Right, because it was at that point, that was really kind of when they started making the transition from professional wrestling to sports entertainment. And I just think in that sense, Bischoff just couldn't keep up because he had the wrestlers, but he didn't have the entertainers. Well, and that's true. He had wrestlers, did not have the entertainers. But I don't think he had the wherewithal to use them properly. Like Paul White, he went to Bischoff and he wanted him, he was making a third of what Nash and Hall were. And he was like, I just want to make the same that they make. I'm doing the, I'm putting in the same amount of work. I want to make the same. He goes, why would you ask me that when you're still in the middle of a contract? Like for someone who says he has this great business acumen, he was, he sure as hell didn't show it in WCW. Yeah. It was very easy for wrestlers to jump ship back then, you know, especially when you have that type of, leadership and i put that in quotations because i just i think it was a very seat by the pants operation of trying to that's putting it mildly yeah 100 percent. i guess you could say the death of wcw was mismanagement was a lack of conscientiousness for the business um so all in all i think the invasion angle worked i think it was the best way to ease into that merger um, era. And what'd you think of it with Shane being on Nitro? Did you think that was a good transition to start the whole thing off or having Shane as WCW, Stephanie as ECW. I think it should have been Heyman, but it gave Stephanie something to do and it helped hone her skills. So I think that it, it was good the way that it played out. Yeah. I thought not only did they have their actual wrestlers for the companies they were at before, but mixing in like Austin with WCW. And I think at one point, Big Big Show was doing ECW at one point, like when he when they brought back their ECW championship. I think that they really misused some of the ECW guys. I agree. Um, so I think that that's going to wrap this up for this episode. That was good. I mean, like I said, the invasion was a good angle. Uh, I think it kind of brought the end of Monday Night Wars when it was over the next step of what's next after that and all these wrestlers and talents and so it was. I thought it was. It was good TV. I, and like I said, I was able to push Austin, kind of re, rebrand his character a little bit. I was able to push uh, Angle, start to bring all these younger guys in. So I think it, it worked well. I thought that WWE did a good job with it. I think so too. I, it happened the way that it should have. I mean, there was a couple of people that probably should have got a contract that didn't. But yet again, another episode. But all in all, I think it was a healthy transition from the two giants of sports entertainment that's going to wrap this up for us so thank you for listening we appreciate you see you next week